have seen that happen over and over again. And at first, we were a little hesitant to trust it, but now we see it happening, and now word comes back to us that things are happening. And I just want to give a, another plug for Trunk or Treat. And, and I wanted to tell you that as a church that is Christ-believing, it is okay to take things away from the enemy. Amen? And, and a night that is geared for the enemy, we can punch him in the face with God's love and power and presence right here in this place. And I want you to sign up for Trunk or Treat. Why? Because our community is now coming back to us and saying, are you guys doing that again? Because I can trust that it's a safe place for my kids to come and enjoy the time with our family. And I say, praise Jesus that he's using us outside of these walls, outside of the norm. So sign up for Trunk or Treat. Well, Pastor, I'm not that creative. I don't care. Just open your trunk up and share Jesus' love with them. That's what it's about. Amen? And so I want to encourage you. Go sign up for Trunk or Treat tonight. Let's make that place full. Let's make it so we got to open up the other parking lot. Amen? And let's just do it so that we can be a beacon of light in a night that was intended for darkness. Amen? Amen. That was free. That was extra. Uh, <laughs> but I'm so thankful to be your pastor. I want to thank the church board for, for uh, just your love and your generosity to us over these last two years. And I'm looking forward to many, many more to come. And uh, I'm thankful to be your pastor. It is, a, it is an honor. It is not something I take lightly. It is not something that I, uh, I take for granted by any means. And so uh, thank you very much for, for a great report and a great time together. I want to jump right into this uh, first message in this series, shared relationship. And, and so many times in our, in our walk with God, when somebody asks us, how is your walk with the Lord, or you have a conversation that gets real uh, about your journey with Christ, most of the time, and I'm guilty of this as well, we talk about how it affects us. And we say things like, it, well, it's a personal walk with the Lord, it's mine. Uh, and so we kind of kind of keep that private. It's, it's personal. And when we use words like intimacy with the Father and, and intimacy in our walk with the Lord, that's something that's reserved for something special. And, and we hold on to that and we keep it tight. And, and that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing that you have a personal walk with the Lord. I believe it's important for us to have a personal walk with Jesus Christ. And I don't disagree when, when we say those things, but I want us to see that there comes a time in our personal journey of faith that we have to go from having it be personal and focused on us to where we focus on a shared relationship with Jesus. And let me say it a different way. Most of the time, we look at our relationship with Jesus to say, Jesus and me, it's about him and I and what we're doing. But maybe let's, let's shift our focus just a few degrees and maybe we should change Jesus and me to become more about Jesus and we. Amen? If you aren't okay with that, it's okay. We'll give you time to just get up and walk out and it'll be okay. We won't cause att attention to you. But I just want us to see that there's more to it than just a personal walk. Our personal walk impacts those around us. It impacts people in ways that we don't even see. And if you're taking notes this morning, we're going to run through this outline pretty quickly today, but I want you to see some things that are very key to this shared relationship. And the first one is this. Our faith journey is both personal and shared. 
Let me give you an example, a very simple example. We just came through a series on prayer, and we talked about prayer and, and, and talked about it in many different forms, and we really didn't unpack it all, but it was a season that we focused on praying for revival and praying for what was going on, and we spent a lot of time talking about prayer. And there's one thing, when we pray alone, that it does something to our faith. When we see God answer in our own lives, it does something to our own person, our, the way we carry ourselves. It, it changes our perspective. But did you realize that when you do what Carla did this morning, and you begin to pray together for a shared need, do you realize how much more that should grow our faith? When we can unite together, as God's Word says, and we, we talked about this in our series, I pray that you would be united of one voice and one mind. Why? So that others can see God through that. And so we pray and we share our prayer requests. Why? So that we can have a shared relationship and a shared investment. Here's another example. Some people might wonder, well, why do we even come to church on Sunday morning? Do we just sing together and hear a message and hear somebody talk? No, here's the deal. It's, worship is not just a service. Worship is not just a song. Worship is a way of life. And, and the way you worship in your personal life is one thing. I've seen some of you as you worship in your personal life. Have you, ever seen, have you ever seen Andy when he's driving down the road worshiping and he's got both hands off the wheel and he's just praising Jesus? Do you realize what song he's singing? Jesus, take the wheel, you know? Amen? Some of you will get that later, yeah. But you guys, you guys do it in your personal life. You get excited, you get energized, and, and it, it becomes something that you just can't contain. And you think that sometimes in your car you have this invisible shield that nobody can see you, and you start singing along. My wife is this way. She'll just be singing, and then all of a sudden she'll look over and see that everybody's watching her in the other car. It used to bother her but now it doesn't, you know what I mean? And we think that that invisible shield just protects us that nobody can see it, but in reality, it's a good thing because we're sharing our worship with somebody else. They may not even realize that they're doing it, but when worship becomes personal, it's one thing, but when we come into a setting like this and we allow our, our walls to come down, hold on, hold on, somebody's toes are gonna get hurt here, okay? When we allow our walls to come down and we bring our personal worship into a corporate setting, it helps every single person in here. If you can worship the Lord in a personal way, in front of others, it only helps them to be able to do it themselves. And as we worship together, it brings unity. It brings us together to say, you know what? We are on the same team. We are in this together. And it's not just about Jesus and me anymore. It's about Jesus and we. Amen? It's good stuff, okay? I know. Come on. Come on. We're going to keep going. Our journey is both personal and it's got to be shared as well. So I think about that. There's a song title I briefly mentioned. Jesus Take the Wheel. It's by a, a country star by the name of Carrie Underwood. It's not considered a Christian song, but it has lyrics in it that point us to what Jesus can do in our life. So I was curious, you know, what are some other songs that are out there in the secular world that are faith-filled songs, but they're not known from Christian artists? Jesus Take the Wheel. Another one that I, that I found this, this week was 
uh, by, the, by an artist, another country artist by the name of Trisha Yearwood. Anybody heard of her? Yeah, she's kind of a big deal. Um, she, she sang a song called Broken. And what an incredible song. Let me just read some of these lyrics to you. I'm falling apart, I'm barely breathing with a broken heart that's still beating. In the pain there is healing. In your name I find meaning. So I'm holding on, I'm holding on, I'm holding on, I'm barely holding on to you. Wow. Desperation. Who do we turn to? There's another one. I've never heard of this band, and so please forgive me for those that, that know this band well. Collective Soul. Anybody heard of Collective Soul? A few of you? Okay. There's a, there's a title of one of their songs called A-Y-T-A. That's the title of the song, A-Y-T-A. And it stands for Are You the Answer? Are You the Answer? And they're singing a song that's about figuring out their faith. Are you the answer to all I need? Are you the answer? The answer for me. Then there's another artist by the name of The Fray. Anybody heard of The Fray? Nobody's willing to admit it. Okay, a few of you, okay. They sing a song named, titled, Be Still. Be Still. When darkness comes upon you and colors you with fear and shame, be still and know that I am with you, and I will say your name. Jesus knows your name. He loves you. <laughs> he wants to help you. And, and I think about this from a, from a secular artist type of standpoint where they don't come right out and tell you that they love Jesus or that they live for Jesus, but they do in their lyrics by saying, you know what, we've got questions too. Or we're searching too, and we know that the people that follow us are searching too, and so they point them to the one that does have the answers. Amen? A faith-filled song from a place we may not even intend it to come from. So let me ask you this question, kind of a silly question. If you were to have a title song about your faith, what would it be? What would it be? I want you to do me a favor this week. I want you to think about that. I want you to write it down. I want you to shoot me a text or an email and say, Pastor BJ, if I had a faith-filled song about my personal walk with the Lord, this is what the title would be. I'd love to hear your story. I'd love to hear how God is working out your faith. Can you do that for me? You're like, Pastor, I don't text. That's fine. Call me. If you don't use the phone, that's fine. Email me. If you don't do that, stop by the church. I'm here quite a bit. You know what I mean? Uh, so it, 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 I just want to hear from you. I want to I have a relationship with you. Let's share this together, okay? Can you do that? If you don't know my number, flip your bulletin over. It's right there on your bulletin. It's been there for two years, so you don't have an excuse now for not knowing my phone number. All right? Our faith journey is personal, but at some point, the personal has got to be shared. Amen? There comes a point in our journey as a church where we have to move beyond just thinking about and talking about our goal. We've got to start living it out in practical, real, and radical, fruit-bearing ways. So over the next few weeks and the next few services, I want us to talk about how we're going to share relationship together. And how we can put our goal into action and into practice. So my hope and prayer is that as we, what, that we value as Christians in Pike County, that we value being part of the body of Christ that is faith-filled 
and big thinking in our living. How do we share a relationship? We do that by being faith-filled and big thinkers. I pray that as we share relationships together, we can have these moments where we are seeking God for the impossible. That we're sharing requests that if God doesn't intervene, nothing's going to happen. That we believe that if we share relationship and we share what Jesus is doing in our life, we're going to see miracles happen. I believe that if we continue to have faith-filled, big-thinking living as, as people that believe in Jesus Christ, that we will see exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ever ask or imagine because of what God can do in our life. I can put a bunch of things on a piece of paper for you, and I can give you a bunch of goals and a bunch of outlines and a bunch of things that we can do, but until we really trust the Lord, for big thinking ideas, until we really trust him to be faith-filled in the way we approach our life with him, we may never see change happen. So my prayer, my hope today, is that we can go from being a Jesus and me type of attitude that we can start living a shared practice and a shared relationship. So I want us to look at two different stories this morning where Jesus was amazed at faith where Jesus was amazed because of faith. In these two stories, there's two ends of the spectrum, okay? And so I want to share these two with us this morning. The first story is this. Jesus is in his hometown. He's in his hometown, and he's there, and he's started his ministry, has begun, but he's come back to the place where he's from, where his family's from. And he begins to try and do what the Lord has called him to do, what God has called him to do, and he tries to begin to share what God is there, what God has for his life. And he begins to share the good news and he begins to try to heal people. But the story tells us that there were people that were offended in his hometown. They looked at him and thought, Jesus, you're the son of that carpenter. We know who you are. We've seen you grow up. We saw you get lost in Jerusalem. We know you're not this perfect kid. That's probably how they viewed that. You know what I mean? Are you guys here? And Jesus is in his hometown, and they're saying, you know what? We really don't even trust that you are who you say you are. And so then we read this in, in Mark's gospel, chapter 6. This is what it says. Jesus could not do any miracles there except, except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Here it is, verse 6. He was amazed at their lack of faith. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Then let's jump over to the second story. It's in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 7. We see this next story where Jesus is teaching, and the centurion comes to Jesus in this moment where there's a great crowd around him. Now, you've got to know something about a centurion. I didn't realize this until I looked at it a little bit deeper. Centurions were cruel people. Nobody wanted to be around them. They were mean, they were harsh, they treated people badly, they were just cruel. They were, they were ugly people to be around. And yet this centurion came into a group where there was probably fear that he was even in there. And as Jesus is teaching, the centurion comes to him and the centurion says, Jesus, I need you to come, I need you to heal my servant. My servant is dying and I need you to heal my servant. And, and the story goes, and, and as he continues to talk to Jesus, Jesus 
says, well, let's, let's go ahead and wrap things up here and we'll go with you. And the centurion says, no, Jesus. In my army, in my guard, when I say the word to somebody, they go and they do it. I don't have to go and make sure it's done. So if you would just say the word, Jesus, with all of your power and with all of your authority, it will just be done and my servant will be healed. You don't have to go. Just say the word. That's what the centurion said to Jesus. And Jesus is amazed at this man's faith. And this is what Luke's account says about this. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd, following him, he said this, I tell you, I have not found such great faith, even in Israel. So we see two times where Jesus was amazed. He was amazed by a lack of faith, and he was amazed by great faith. Which one of these are you? Which one of these are you today? In your outline, you see there a chart. It says, how big is your faith? I want you to fill out this chart, but I want you, I'm going to give you some caveat to kind of look things over. Some of us, we have a little bit longer lifespan to choose from, so I want us all to have the same, the same range to look at. So I want you to just look at the last couple of weeks in your life, okay? Look at the last couple of weeks in your life. And I want to just, how big is your faith? Was, was your faith so bold that if God didn't intervene in your situation, you would have been a sunk ship? Is your faith so bold that you were doing radical things for the sake of the gospel? Or were you playing it pretty safe and just getting by? If you were bold, mark a nine or a ten. If you were playing it safe, mark a one or a two. But let's, let's take it a little bit further. What about your prayer life? If God would have answered every one of your prayers this past week with a yes and it was immediate, how would the world be different today? Would your entire family be saved because of the prayers you played last week? Would, would there be children that are orphans and lost and broken and hurting? Would they all have been adopted and placed into, in great homes because of your prayers this week? Or because of your prayers this week, would that seat next to you that's empty, would it be filled? Or maybe nothing would have changed in this world. Or, you know, maybe your food was blessed and your travel to grandma's was safe and maybe you did lose that 10 pounds you've been praying about. How big is our faith? How bold are we willing to be in our faith? I want to share three quick faith-filled facts with you this morning. The first one is this. You cannot play it safe and please God. You cannot play it safe and please God. You might be saying, whoa, pastor, where are you going with this? Safe is less risky. Safe is easier. Safe is controllable. Well, here's the deal. In the New Testament, we have a book called Hebrews. And in Hebrews, there's a book, there's a chapter in Hebrews that we call the faith chapter. And the writer of the Hebrews is talking about having faith and, and different people that had faith. And he's talking about, you know, there's so many different people that mention faith and the great faith that they had, but he wants to do it so that it helps us to have faith-filled Big thinking approaches to our shared relationship with Jesus. And here's why. In verse, in verse 6 of that chapter, chapter 11 of Hebrews, we see this. It's in your outline. Part of it's in your outline. 
says this, and without faith, it is always easy to please God. No, that's not what it says. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Well, pastor, my God is, a, is an impossible working God. Well, it's sometimes he's going to have to be if our faith is so weak for him to do anything. In other words, you can't play it safe and please God. It's right here in his word. It's impossible to please God without faith. Without faith. It's not my words. It's his words. Amen? If you can accomplish your goals without God, I believe he'll be amazed at your lack of faith. You know, there's times when our faith is messy. There's times it can be scary. And I'd even, I'd even go a step further and say, if there's points in our faith journey where we're not scared, then maybe we need a faith check. Maybe we need to be scared a little bit to do something for God. Why? So that we can trust Him a little bit more. Let me share with you a quick little story. I was in my first youth pastor assignment in Derby, Kansas. One of the things we did every year was we would take our teens to uh, Worlds of Fun in Kansas City. And uh, that was when it was Worlds of Fun. You know, it, now it's kind of boring. But uh, it was Worlds of Fun, and we had a great time. And so we took our teens to this, and they, we had about 15 or 20 that went on this trip with us. And we're walking into the park, and there's this guy in my youth group. His name is J.D. And uh, he, everybody who goes by initials is a, is a really sharp guy. And J.D. was no different, okay? So here's J.D. and B.J. walking into the <laughs> park together. Yeah, you finally got it. That's good, yeah. Um, and J.D., is a, he's an alpha male. He's a, he's a, he's a sharp guy. He's, he's popular, and he's slick. He's, he just, he's just kind of got this confidence about him, you know, not like B.J. But anyway, we're walking into the park, and the first thing we see is we're trying to get to the back of the park where the big roller coasters are. He sees this huge ride or this huge activity. It's this huge swing that pulls you way up about two or three stories high and then just drops you down and you swing. And you get strapped into this thing. And he's like, Pastor BJ, we're doing this. I said, no, we are not doing this. <laughs> he goes, yeah, we are. We're going to do this before we leave tonight. And I don't care if it's the last thing we're going to do. We're going to do this. And I said, whatever, JD. You go spend all your money so you don't have any more at the end of the night for this. And we'll be fine. You go have fun. So we get through the night. We go through. We have our fun. And then it's, the, it's time to almost get ready to go back. And JD finds me. And J.D. said, all right, it's time, let's go. And J.D.'s not by himself. J.D. has grabbed our entire youth group with him. And they are all standing there waiting to see what I'll do. So we walk up to the, the place, the stand where the guy's taking our money and getting us ready to go. And I asked the guy, I said, all right, sir, um, just a quick question for you. How many have died on this ride? He said, None. Yet, <laughs> so there's a place on this ride, just to give you an idea, there's three people can lay on this, this little mat, that's all that's holding you up is this thin little mat, and I thought, you know what, I'm scared of heights, but if I got these two guys next to me, I'll stay in the middle, and they can take care of the rest, and it'll be fine, I'll just close my eyes and scream, it'll be good. So he's sizing all three of us up. He goes, all right, so the big guy's got to go in the middle and the two little guys got to go on the outside. I'm like, thank you, JD. 
And not only did I have to go on the outside, I had to go on to the side that pulled the cord to send the ride going. So we, we lay in there, we get strapped down in there, and we get pulled up to the top, clear up to the top, two, three, four stories high. I can't remember how high it was. And I'm just looking down, and I'm seeing my wife there, and I'm thinking, Lord, I hope I see her again after this. And we get up there, and they say, you know, count to three, and then just pull the cord and, and go. And we go one, two, two and a half, you know, I'm just trying to stall. And finally we pulled that cord and we just flew down this ride. Scared me to death. I didn't know if we were just going to fly off into the sky and fly back home to Wichita or not. I didn't know what was going to happen. But I'll tell you what, it caused me to trust what was going on around me. It caused me to trust a little bit of faith in that teenage boy that had a lot of confidence. It caused me to put some trust in a relationship with a man running the, the ride that I had no idea who he was. But it caused me to share something that I didn't have before. And it increased my faith. You see, I wasn't about to go and play it safe that night. I wasn't allowed to. You see, when, if we're not scared every now and then to do something big for God, then maybe we need to check our faith. There's another story in the Bible that's about this, and it's not just a fun story about a ride at an amusement park, but you know the story very well. Jesus is, is away from his disciples. He tells them to go across the, uh, the sea there, and, and then he comes walking to them on the water. And as he's walking to them on the water, they call out to him, they realize who it is, and they say, can we come to you? And he says, yeah, come on. And Peter, you know the story, Peter gets out of the boat and he starts to walk on the water. And then Peter gets scared and he looks around him and he takes his eyes off of Jesus and he falls down. And there's many people today, still to this day, that would read that story and say, Peter failed because Peter sank. But did you realize that there were 11 other men in the boat that didn't even try it? Why? Because they're too busy playing it safe. Peter got out of the boat. He trusted God and he was scared to death. And Jesus reached down and saved him. I bet you anything, and I'm not, I don't bet because I'm a pastor and I don't do that, but I would guarantee you that Peter's faith grew that day. Why? Because he was scared enough to trust Jesus. How big is your faith? How big is your faith? I want to just encourage you that you should never let the fear of failure talk you out of an act of faith. Amen? You cannot play it safe and please God. Number two, if you have a guarantee, you don't have faith. If you have a guarantee, you don't have faith. Here's another passage in, in Hebrews, Hebrews 11, the first verse in Hebrews, the first verse in this faith chapter. If you have a guarantee, you don't have faith. Here's what it says, Hebrews chapter 11, verse one. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for Get what it says there, that what we hope for, it's not what's already been done. It's not a guarantee that it will happen. It's a hope. It's something that's yet to come. It's confidence of what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things we cannot see. Assurance. We're all looking for assurance. We're all looking for the safe 
the safe way to go. We're all looking for a guarantee. And, and I think about it in my own life, even going back to when I was in grade school. Now my kids are going through this, but how many of you ever, before you could drive or you even knew what a date was, you would go out with somebody? Anybody do that? Just me. Okay, hear, hear me out for a minute. Okay, thank you, Trent. I appreciate that. We'd be in second, third grade, and you'd like, a little, you'd like another girl in your class or something, and you'd be like, man, it would be cool to go with her. Where are you going to go? You can't go anywhere. My kids do this now. Well, I'm going out with so-and-so. No, you're not. You're staying home. And you're definitely staying home because now you've told me about it. So you are definitely not going out with anybody. But we would do that as kids. And we'd say, you know what? I want to to go out with her. And I remember, I won't tell you her name. Um, I was so scared to ask her to go with me, to go out with me, that I wanted to pre-ask her. How many ever do that? I wanted to pre-ask her. I wanted a guarantee. So what did we do then? We didn't have phones to text in class. We'd write a note. And I'd wrote a note that says, if I were to ask you to go out with me, would you, in a box with yes, and a box with no, check the box. And then guess what I'd do? I wouldn't even give it to her. I'd give it to her best friend to give it to her. Because I needed a guarantee. Well, one day I got that note back and it had a third box I wasn't counting on. Maybe. (sighs) You're looking for a guarantee. You can't get a guarantee. Then you get a maybe. But I wonder how many times we do that with God. We want to guarantee that he's going to come through for us the way we want him to. So we pre-ask him for approval. Because we want assurance and we want to guarantee that what, something we can see with our own eyes. How do I know if God will do this for me? How do I know that he's going to heal me? How do I know that he's going to help my family see that they need Jesus? How is he going to do this? I just need to know. How do they know? Let me tell you something. You can have faith or you can have control, but you can't have both. You can have faith or you can have control, but you can't have both. That's a hard one for me. That's a hard one for me. But if we want to guarantee, we don't have faith. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know who I'm talking to that's hearing this today, but maybe you're here today and you've been thinking about taking a different job. But you don't know the whole story. You don't know how all the finances are going to work. You don't know how it's going to affect your family and affect your schedule Maybe you've been praying about stepping up in that ministry that you've had a heart for, but you just haven't done anything about it. Maybe you feel like you're not good enough or you just need a sign. Maybe you're at a place where you think you're ready to make a faith-filled, big-thinking decision, but you don't know what steps three, four, and five are, and God's trying to tell you, you're not gonna know what steps three, four, and five are until you say yes to steps one and two. We've got to be able to step out in faith and trust that God is big enough that we don't need a guarantee. (laughs) Faith is the confidence of what we hope for will actually happen and the assurance of the things that we cannot see. Wow. As long as you have a guarantee, you don't have faith. Number three, to step forward your destiny You have to step away from your security. To step forward in your destiny, you have to step away from your security. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 says this, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place 
he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. You see, Abraham was so focused on God's plan that he didn't need to see the map quest directions to the promised land. He just said, okay, God. You know, there's times when, when I've had those moments where I, I believe that God has helped me to trust him big. And one of them happened while we were here and, and, and God had called us to go on to Missouri. And, and then when I got that first call, they said, BJ, we want you to let your name run at, at Iberia, Missouri. I said, Siberia where? Where is Iberia, Missouri? It's not even on the map some places. And God said, BJ, I want you to take your family and go. Okay. So we went. God blesses obedience. He blesses faith-filled, big-thinking obedience. And so if we can step out like Abraham did and say, God, you said to go. I don't know where it is, but I'm going to say yes. Many of you are still feeling that way about me as your pastor. (laughs) We don't know where he's going, but we're going to trust the Lord. You know, I said something to the board this week in our board meeting that uh, I've said to you as well from the pulpit, that it's it's hard for me to come up with a, a campus vision and a campus plan and I mean, I don't have a passion for buildings and construction, and I, I just don't. And I'm praying and trusting the Lord to give that, give that to us, and he's been doing that, and he's faithful to that. But what I said to the board this week is from a conversation Pastor Greg and I had that I said, I can't wait for this building to be done and this to be finished. Why? So that we can focus on where God wants us to go. And we can stop worrying about what we've been talking about for 20 years and we can get it done and now we can move forward and say, God, we said yes. We've done it and now we're trusting you for faith-filled, big-thinking living at PCN. Because I believe that God would give us a vision for our campus and give us a vision for buildings and grounds and and things that some people might think don't matter, but they are a tool that God can use. Why? Because he's got a plan for us that's bigger than you can even imagine or dream about. Why? Because it's a God thing. And if we say yes to steps one and two, he can't wait to give us steps three and four. Why do we need a new building? Why do we need to reskin the family center? I don't know, but maybe we need it because there's still 100 people that want to be here that can't be here right now because we're not ready for them. Maybe we need to do it because he needs to increase our faith so that it becomes contagious, that when we go out in the street, it's not about trying to thump somebody over with the Bible, but it's about saying, you know what? At our church, we had enough faith to say, you know what, God? We're gonna trust you for this and now see what's happening. God's got to clear our hearts before he can fill these cleared pews. God's got to clear our minds from our control sake so that he can open them with his thinking and his perspective. Amen? To step forward in our destiny, we've got to step away from our security. There's people in this church that have a contagious faith. This past week, I had somebody that come up to me. They said, Pastor, something happened to me that's never happened before. 
I said, what's that? They said, I invited two people to come to revival with me. And guess what? They both came. I said, praise the Lord. It lit a fire in my life. Why? Because their faith increased my faith. Maybe you don't invite people because you haven't had anybody come with you. But you go spend a day with Della Rush, you're going to want to invite some people to church. That lady sees miracles every single day. Praise the Lord. And it wasn't Della that I'm talking about. They actually used your name, Della. They said, I'm not Della Rush. People don't come when I ask them. Della just whispers Jesus, and we got five people in church that day. She's a faithful, faith-filled, big-thinking, fruit-bearing follower of Jesus Christ. And that faith is contagious. I told you, I talked to two or three people this week about what God was doing in, in this message and bringing it to fruition. There's somebody in this church that was thinking about stopping everything that they've known for the last few years and doing something completely different. And then they tried to push it in through themselves, the door got closed. And then when they say, God, is this you or is this my plan? Is this my faith or is this my control? And as soon as they'd surrender that, the door would open. And they started telling me this story and I said, wow, I'm so happy for you. I'm sad that we might have to bless you on your way, but I'm happy because your faith is increasing my faith. Your Jesus and me moment is creating a Jesus and we moment, and that shared relationship is growing. Amen? You see, it's not just about our personal walk with the Lord. It becomes a shared relationship. My question would be, how is your personal relationship helping somebody else grow in their faith. You see, it's not just about what God speaks only to us. We don't get to go live on an island. It becomes shared relationship that can help every single one of us. So as we close, I just have a couple of response things and then we're gonna gather around the Lord's table. I know, I know what the time says and I, I believe this is important for us. You see, God, God didn't give us a small commission. He gave us the great commission. God didn't give us a small goal that said, you know what, let's just maintain, let's keep the money in the bank, let's just, let's just keep things going the way they're going. God said, I want to do exceedingly, abundantly more than you can ever ask or imagine. And you might be saying, Pastor, I don't like big churches. Then I would say, why don't you pray that God would give you a love for people that grow so big that it can't even be contained? What if our church was so big that we had to actually start another church? Well, Pastor, that's a lot of work. Don't you think he's big enough to take care of it? I'm, my prayer is that God would not just give us a small way of thinking, but that he would give us a great, big, faith-filled way to say yes to him. We must allow God to lead us where he wants to go, not where we feel the safest. 
We must share our faith with those around us so that we can be faith-filled, big-thinking believers in Christ that live it out. So my last question is this. What faith-filled, big-thinking dream does God want you to fulfill? (laughs) I'm going to ask those that are going to help with communion to begin to come and get the elements ready. As we continue to get today, we're going to gather around the Lord's table. And as you know, if you've been here before, you know that in the Church of the Nazarene, we believe in an open communion policy. And what that means is that you don't have to be a member of our church to to partake in this sacrament. All that we ask is that you've examined your heart and that you've asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins and you're doing your best to trust him, to walk with him all the days of your life. If you've done that, we invite you to take, partake in this sacred element today. But I want to ask you something else. If you haven't done that in your life, and you need to do that, I'm going to encourage you to, um, to go ahead and examine your heart and ask the Lord to forgive you and to come into your life. And we can pray with you and help you in that. But I want to ask you another question today as we prepare for communion. Would you ask the Lord to examine your faith? Would you ask him what dream he wants you to fulfill? Well, pastor, that's why I come to church, so I'm part of a bigger body of believers that we can do it together. Yeah, but when you do what God tells you to do, that increases our faith as a church. So as they come and they get the elements ready to distribute, I want to ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes. We're going to say a short prayer. Then we're going to receive the elements. Please wait until everybody's been, been uh, served the elements, and then we will all partake together. Father God, we thank you for this day. I pray for your grace and your peace and your mercy in this moment as we're reminded of what you've done for us. Would you open our hearts to hear from your voice today of what you want us to do for you in Jesus name they're going to serve and pass the elements please take a piece of bread and a cup and hold those until everybody's been served and we will partake together if you need gluten free bread if you will come over by the stairs on my right your left there will be a gluten free option as well
as Jesus met with his disciples on that last night. He shared this table with them. He knew what was going to happen to him. But I have to believe tonight that as he shared this table with them, he'd bless them and encourage them to continue to be faith-filled, big-thinking followers of him. And he said to them that night as he took the bread, this bread resembles my body that is going to go to a cross. It's going to be hung on a cross for you and for me. So every time you take this bread, eat it, remembering what he's done for you and be thankful. Take the bread and eat it. As he took the cup, he, he informed them and let them know this is a sign of a new covenant, a new love relationship. And every time you take this cup, remember that this represents the blood that was shed for you and for me. And be thankful. Take it, drink it, and be thankful. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for the sacrifice that you made. Help us, Father, to be faithful, obedient, faith-filled, big-thinking believers. Go with us from this place, we pray. We ask you to guide and direct us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Have a great day. We'll see you tonight at 630.